today is no different. We're going to be in a passage that many of us love, many of us use, and God has something very powerful to say to us to all today. Romans 8, 28, a verse that we use in a lot of different ways. As we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Very powerful verse. A lot of us use this verse on a daily basis to get through life. We use this to, in, to find hope. We use this to find strength. And God has a word to say to us today through this verse. I want to encourage you to get your listening guide out, to take some notes today, to write some truth down today so that you can apply it in your life as you leave today and as you go throughout your week. I don't think God's going to waste any of your moments today. And he plans to use them not just in this room, but those that he puts you in the path of all this week. He's going to use this not just for your good, but for theirs as well. If you would, I just ask that you pray with me as we get started. Father, we acknowledge your presence with us, and we thank you for an opportunity to open your word, to see its truth, maybe to correct our uh, interpretation or misinterpretation, to apply it so that, God, we move forward in our journey with you, deeper in our understanding of you, and become better because of it. God, remind us of your love today and how deep it goes, how powerful and big you are. God, you have a word to say to us, and there are some in this room that have been praying for months, even years, and you have an answer for them today. There are some that life just hit them in the gut this week, and you have a word for them today. God, you have truth to share with all of us today, and may we be courageous enough to listen to the truth of your word and apply it to our lives. In your name I pray, amen. A great verse that we often use to find hope in life's most difficult situations. That God would work good through all situations and all that you and I would encounter. And so this verse for many of us, it is hope. It is a strength that we can recite and we can quote every day and we can find strength from. But for some of us, this verse we use because we're in a holding pattern with God. We feel like God may have abandoned us and we don't understand what's going on and God is silent and we've been looking for good and we're not finding it. We've looked for truth and we're not finding We're wondering and we're questioning. We get to a place and we ask ourselves, boy, have I missed something? It's difficult. We're dying inside because something we're going through, we don't see any movement on and we're wondering if God has abandoned us? Does God really engage himself in my life? Is he aware of what I'm going? And you're getting tired. And that tiredness can cause some resentment toward God, even bitterness toward God, where you're even at a point where you're ready to push God away. And God has a word for you today. Or maybe you've hit rock bottom. You made a mistake this week. You made a bad call a few months ago. You made a wrong decision, and your life has turned upside down. And for you, this verse is all you have. And you're looking for the good that can come out of all the bad that you may have participated in or that you created. Some of you, life's fallen apart, and you've been caught in the wake of someone else's decision. 
by no fault of your own, your life's been turned upside down. And you're trying to find the good and wonder what in the world is God up to. God has a word for you today. And some of us, with good intentions, can use this verse as a spiritual bat sometimes, if you will, to beat people up because of the feelings that they're experiencing in life's circumstances that has rocked their world. And in Jesus' name, we come and say, well, you just need to find the good. You don't need to have these feelings, and you don't need to have these emotions, and you just need to pick yourself up by your bootstraps, and you just need to move on. And with unintention, we beat people up with a verse that was used and designed to give us strength and hope. I learned three things very quickly from this verse that I want to share with you, and then we're going to move in to really break this verse down. And one of those is this verse gives you and I freedom to fail but not an excuse to keep failing. It gives us freedom to fail, but not an excuse to keep failing. It gives you and I permission to feel and dive deeper into a personal love relationship with Jesus. Unlike we've ever known before, permission to feel, to be angry, to be depressed, to be sad, to worry, It's okay. That's a part of grieving. That's a part of life. And God is okay with all of those as long as you bring those to Him. And then last, it gives us an opportunity to grow deeper, to become wiser, and to trust God more. This verse quickly gives us an opportunity to do all these things. And as we get into this verse, and as you can imagine, when you start digging into this verse, this verse means a whole lot to a lot of people. And so I have good news and I have bad news. The good news is we only have one point in the sermon today. The bad part is we don't have another service after this one to stop us from exploring every bit of that one point. So we're going to dive in and we're going to look at a statement that hopefully encapsulate the broadness and the depth of this verse as we explore it. And so I want you to read And follow along. If I love God, He will use every event, every emotion, every decision that I make, everything that life delivers, and everything God ordains to make me more like Jesus. Let me say that again. If I love God, He will use every event, emotion, and decision I make that life delivers and God ordains to make me more like Jesus. So let's start at the beginning. If I love God. It says it in this passage, is it not? And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And we're very quick. We're very quick in church today to say, check. I love God. Of course I do. But do we? Do we pursue God? Do we want to spend time with God? When God tells us something, we need to adjust in our life. Are we quick to adjust? Do we reply and respond to his word in our life and his moving in our life? When he tells us to do something that we don't want to do, do we do it? Do we love him? Because our love for him is going to determine the good that we find. Now, I want to explain that. I'm going to as we move on. But I want you to understand that love is a part of this equation. Too often, Romans 8.28 is quoted, all things work together for the good, and that stops. 
But there's a condition in this verse that often we leave off. That all things work together for the good of those who love him and who live according to his purpose. That's a condition. That means it's not always going to work out for everybody to be good. Because not everybody loves God. Even those of us who call ourselves Christ followers enter seasons where we don't love him. And you and I need to ask ourselves, before we look for the good that God has, ask ourselves, do we love God? Now, I have good news. Love can start today. What I love about this verse is it doesn't say, if you have loved God, God will work all things out for good. It says, if you love. And you and I both know, and we've been through life enough to know, when we hit crisis, it typically drives us to our knees. And we rediscover a richness and an intimacy with Jesus that somehow faded. That when we read scripture, it's different now because it has closer meaning. That I can forgive others because I've made my own mistakes and I'm reminded about God's grace. That I can do things I couldn't do on my own before because now I'm leaning on God instead of leaning on myself. What a beautiful opportunity this verse gives us when we explore the option that you and I can love God right now, today. That's within everybody's reach. Everybody has the opportunity in this room to love God right now. And you can begin that journey. You can begin that relationship. You can rekindle the love relationship that you have with God. And nothing that you've done is going to stop that from happening. But if we look deeper into what love means, ultimately it comes down to one question. Do you trust God? Do you trust God with the circumstance that you find yourself in, that you've been in, or you will be in? Because that's a part of your love. I love him so much that I can trust him. That I trust him with what's going on that I don't understand. I trust him with my mistakes. I trust him with what I'm going through. I trust him with what I'm feeling, knowing that he is at work even if I don't see it. Because our trust, the amount of trust that you and I have in God, will directly impact the amount of good he can work in us. The amount of trust you have in God will directly impact the amount of good he can work in us. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, you will obey my commands. God spelled it out very clearly. Love is attainable for all of us. And we must trust in him. And the sooner and the more we trust in him, the quicker and more good we can experience in him. Let's keep going. So if you love God, he will use every. Really? Are you serious? Jack, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I'm going through. There's no way God can use good from what I'm experiencing. Through every event, really? Through a job loss? Through a failure? Through a diagnosis of cancer or a miscarriage? Death from a drunk driver? An unfaithfulness? Lying? Abuse? Betrayal? Loss? A prodigal child, an unplanned pregnancy, an adoption timeline, just injustice that you are in the wake of other people's consequences because of decisions that they made, consequences that you made because of your own decisions. 
You're telling me God can work through all those events? What about your emotions? Shame. Guilt. Anger. Lust. Deception. Despair. Hurt. Depression. Loneliness. Embarrassment. Grief. Bitterness. Anxiety. And urgency. Disappointment. Addiction. Pride. I mean, God can work through all those emotions. Yeah. All those emotions are real. All those emotions are a part of life. What about your decisions? That you decided on your own to take something, to watch something, to look at something, to say something, to do something, to manipulate something, be biased or selfish, gossip. You may have lied. You may have stretched the truth. You may have misled, or you just may have made a bad call. Can God work through all your emotions, all your events, all your decisions? Absolutely. If there's any truth you walk away with today, is walk away knowing that our God is bigger than all your circumstances. Every circumstance in your past every circumstance in your future, and every circumstance that you're experiencing right now, our God is bigger than your circumstance. That works. That really, that's that's good. (laughs) It's the truth. And some of you need to hold on to that truth, and that's all you need to know. And God will work, and God will move you through the journey that you're on right now. But do not lose sight of that trust. Do not lose sight of that truth that God is bigger. There's nothing you've done that's out of reach for God. But you and I do have a responsibility in this relationship. And so sometimes we find ourselves in difficult circumstances because of the decisions that I make. Let's go back to our statement. If I love God, He will use every event, every emotion, and every decision that I make. You and I make decisions sometimes, bad ones. We misread the situation, not intentionally. I don't think anybody wakes up in the morning and goes, you know, I think I'd like to make four bad decisions today and four good ones. We just don't do that. But yet we find ourselves because of selfishness, because of a myoptic view of life that we're just thinking about ourselves, we're just thinking about our kids, we're just thinking about what we want instead of what God wants for us. We tend to make decisions that lead us into bad and difficult circumstances. We shouldn't be surprised. Actually, in Romans, same chapter 8, verses 7 and 8, Paul reminds us, he said, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. It's difficult for us to do that, and sometimes we make bad decisions that get us in tough circumstances. But sometimes you and I make good decisions and it still ends us up in a difficult situation. Scripture tells us that's going to happen. That you're not going to fit in this world when you call yourself follower of Christ. James tells us that you're going to face trials and tribulation because you choose to call yourself believer. Because you're going to stand for integrity when the world around you isn't full of integrity and you're going to get stepped on. You're not going to get a promotion. 
You're going to get um, disappointed because you stood for what was right and the world is saying what is wrong. And sometimes, even though we make the right decision, we make the right call, circumstances deal us a tough, tough blow. And that's because life delivers life. That's a part of this equation. It's not just our decisions that get us into our circumstances, but sometimes life deals us a bad hand. We should not be surprised by this either. either. If we look in 1 Peter 5, 8, are we not reminded to be alert and sober-minded that your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour? You see, the enemy can't hurt God. So he's going to try to hurt what God loves the most. And that's you and I. He's going to try to derail you from being effective and being a light in your workplace, in your home, in your relationship, in your circumstances. That is his purpose, is to derail you and to minimize the effectiveness that you can have with God. So you and I should not be surprised when life deals us a tough blow. You're going to lose a job. You're going to find yourself in a wreck. There'll be a new discovery That trust has been abandoned in your relationship that's going to rock your world. Your kids and your grandkids are not going to make wise decisions. Medical illnesses are going to be diagnosed and you're going to be completely caught off guard and think there's no options. You're going to face a temptation that you will fall into. A relationship ends by no fault of your own. Your kids may not get what you think they deserve. You got overlooked for a promotion. Or you discover the system around you is failing. Because that system's not built on God. It's built on the world. Sometimes life delivers a blow. And we need, and you need to understand that God does not will evil and suffering. It is not God's will that anybody be addicted to anything. It is not God's will that a drunk driver kills somebody that you love. God did not will that. God did not will, I believe, the miscarriage that you may have experienced. And God did not will many of the things that we think that he did. It is the result of evil and suffering in this world. And that is sometimes difficult to swallow. But it is the truth. But I cannot ignore the reality that while you and I have decisions that lead to our circumstances, that life delivers what life delivers, that gets us in the situations that God also has a part in the circumstances that we are in. Because God ordains some things to happen in our lives. Malachi 3, 3 says, He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. That process of purifying metal is long and it's difficult because they'll put that metal and then they will heat that metal up. And the hotter it gets, the more pressure that's put on, those impurities begin to rise to the top. And then they skim off all the impurities. And then they turn the fire up hotter. And it reveals more impurities. And they go to the top And God skims away all the impurities. And God continues to move you and I to a point of holiness so that the metal gets purer 
and without blame. The same thing is true for you and I. We must never forget, it's a theme all throughout Scripture, that God disciplines those He loves. We see it in Hebrews. We see it in Proverbs. We see it in Deuteronomy. All throughout Scripture, God is at work making us, putting us in situations that will cause us to move toward holiness. In Hebrews 12, 10 through 11, we read, They disciplined us for a little while while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, in order that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. God disciplines those He loves. So our decisions definitely are, re- are responsible for getting us in some of the situations we're in. Life is responsible for that, and God is responsible for that. And so as we explore, we cannot ignore what God is still trying to say to us, that if we love God, He will use every event, every emotion and decision that I make, that life delivers, and God ordains to make me more like Jesus. That is God's ultimate purpose for our life. That is actually God's definition of good. When we quote Romans 8, 28, for we know that God works all things to the good, that good is defined as making us like Christ. And I can prove that. We need to look at verse 29 because 29 defines what God's purpose and good is for us. Now, before we jump into 29, I want to address, everybody loves to quote Romans 8, 28. And most people stay away from Romans 8, 29. Because there are some words in there that don't make sense to us. There are some theological issues centered around this passage that are difficult to explain. And I admit there is tension in Scripture that lives on both sides of the truth of this passage. And so while we don't have time to fully exhaust this, I want to take an attempt to explain some of it And help us not get caught up in what we can explain about this verse. At the sacrifice of missing what we absolutely know to be true about this verse. You see, I think there are thick ice issues in our faith. And I think there are thin ice issues in our faith. I think there are thick ice issues that you and I know we can stand on. They are not going to crack under pressure. I could drive a car on it and it's not going to buckle. It's not going to fall through because it is thick ice. And there's truth in this passage that is thick ice. And there's some truth in this passage that is thin ice. We just don't know. And there's a tension that lives in Scripture around these words of foreknew and predestined and called according and what does that mean. And so I want to attempt to explain a little bit this, but more importantly pull out the thick ice truth that we do know. And so let's read verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. The thick ice issue in this passage is that you and I be conformed to the image of his son. Doesn't matter where you stand in the debate 
or the understanding of the theological terms surrounding that portion of Scripture, but the thick ice is that you and I are conformed to be like Jesus. That has always been God's purpose. It will continue to be His purpose. And as you and I define and quote Romans 8, 28, we cannot quote it without defining the good that comes with it. And that good is that you and I become like Christ. So before we jump into that good and that definition, I do want to address these other words that are sometimes difficult to understand. In 8.28, it says that we are all called according to His purpose. And so what is that purpose? It simply means that you and I have all been called to have a love relationship with Jesus. Scripture says that I stand at the door and knock. Whoever opens this door, I will enter. It says, whosoever will will follow me, he will become a Christian. And so there's clear passages as I read this that I feel the called in this point are every believer, everyone outside, I mean everyone that God is calling to foreknew. That simply means before creation, God intimately knew. Now I can't explain that, but this is how I define that. My past is God's present. My future is God's present. And my present is God's present. I can't understand that. I can't fully comprehend that. I can't fully expand on that. Because if I could, God's not as big as He is. I'm trying to use a finite brain to explain a godly definition. And I just can't. And so I understand that there's going to be some tension with this, but I can live with the fact that my past is God's present. That He knows what He's not orchestrating what I do, but He has the ability to know what I do. And third, predestined. What does that word mean? We've wrapped so much around it to think that it is that we are now like a puppet and God is orchestrating all the decisions and steps that we take. And I don't, I don't find that in here. I think as we look at the true definition of predestined means to be determined ahead of time. That God predestined that you and I would be like Jesus. Not unlike when I had children. I predestined that they would grow up to be godly men and women. That's something that I wanted for them. Haven't you wanted the same thing for your child? Didn't you, when they were born, say, God, Whatever I need to do to help them end up being a godly man and a godly woman, help me do. And then as they walk through life, I set up a pathway that I hoped would get them to that place. I didn't make the decisions for them, but I did read scripture to them. I took them on mission trips. I made sure they were in worship. I made, they were, made sure they were with me sitting in worship so I could explain some things. I, I made sure that as we, went through, as we walked through life, that every teachable moment I could find to point them to God, I seized. But it was their decision to follow God. God did not decide that for them. I did not make that decision for them. And so did I predestine that they be like Christ? Yes. Did I control that they become like Christ? No. But that's God's desire for us. And he says it very clearly here, that you and I become like the image of his son. Now what the difficulty is, when we begin to defend that as, define that excuse me, as good, 
what we discover is that our definition of good and God's definition of good do not always align. Too often when we quote this passage, we're using our definition of good. And what I've discovered is that definition usually ends up, I get what I want when I want it. In Jesus' name. I get what I want when I want it, and that's when good has been accomplished. But that is not what this good means. This means when God's good is exercised, I become more like Jesus. So will God use my pain to make me more like Jesus? Absolutely. Will God use my mistakes to make me more like Jesus? Absolutely. Will he use my events and my decisions and my circumstances? Absolutely. Now, sometimes our wants and God's needs line up. And we think, I'm glad that what God knew I needed and what I wanted were the same. But sometimes that doesn't always work out. Sometimes, and well, let me say it this way. Always God will give you what you need, not what you want. Sometimes your wants will end up looking like what he knew you needed. And so you and I must define this passage properly if we want to get the power of this verse exercised in our life. It's a great opportunity for us to do that. And so I want to encourage you to do two things with the truth of this passage. One of those is to assess. I want you to assess your own life. You need to look at yourself and say, am I making some decisions that keep causing me to be in this difficult circumstance? Is there something you need to confess, something you need to repent, which means to turn from, stop doing, make some better choices? Sometimes you need to also assess the situation. Did you cause yourself to get in this situation? Or did life just end up throwing you and delivering you into this situation? That happens. Of no fault of your own sometimes. But that can help you take the journey a little slower when you recognize that it wasn't you that got you there. So you need to assess your own self and the situation. The second is you need to trust. You need to trust the process. God has you. He's not abandoned you. He has not been caught off guard by anything that's ever happened in your life. And you need to trust the process. Sometimes a part of the process means that God is at work in other situations before he can fully give you the good that you need in yours. Case in point, we're looking for a senior pastor. And some would say, well, God, why haven't you answered that prayer? And it may not be about us. It may be about him. God may not be finished with him where he is. It may also mean we're not ready for him. Both of those are realities. And so we need to explore that. And we need to trust God in the process. And last thing is you and I, we need to trust God. Period. We need to trust that God loves us more than we know what's right about our life. We need to ask ourselves, do we really love God? Because that's where this passage starts with. If you love God, he will use every event, every emotion, every decision that you make, life delivers, and God ordains to make you more like Jesus.
And we know this, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Let's pray. Father, thank you for an opportunity to open your word, to see its truth, and make sure we rightly apply it to our life. God, I pray that you will guide us. You will direct us today to apply the truth that we've learned. So God, that we begin to experience the good that you have for us. God, you want so much to walk with us, to have an intimate relationship with us. And God, we know your purpose is to make us more like you. May we all, may we all respond to doing whatever it takes to further develop our relationship with you. God, we pray this in your name. Amen. I want to encourage you as we kind of conclude today that some of you in this room may, know, may not know what it means to love God. You've never entered into a relationship with Him and you don't know what it means to make Him Lord of your life. And you keep running into the same circumstance. And you keep wondering why Life's just not working out the way it should. And maybe God wants you to know it's because you don't love me. You've said it. You show up here at church. You say all the right words. But there's not a love relationship. And maybe today, you just bow your head. And you say, God, I've tried my way and I am tired. God, forgive me. I want to go your way, not mine. Or maybe... You've not loved God. You did once. I'm not saying you've not lost your salvation. I'm saying you're just not loving Him right now. What I'm saying is there's not a relationship. And you need to do business with Him today. Or maybe you just need to come and pray. You just need to pray where you are. That God revealed something. And you need to hold on to something that He revealed to you today. Whatever God's moving and saying to you, I pray that you will respond as we sing. Let's stand. And you respond.